It has been said, you don't really know a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, this is not a mile in their shoes. This is life through their eyes. Welcome to the Perspectus Podcast, a podcast that empowers individuals to learn and grow from listening to each other's perspectives. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Perspectus Podcast. This is Sadie Sanchez, and today I am doing a solo episode. Just had a lot of things on my mind and kind of circling around and some thoughts, and so I just wanted to talk to you all, have a conversation about it. But first things first, if you are enjoying the show or if you have any feedback on the direction of the show or what type of content that you would like to see, please let me know. It helps me out so much. And I mean, this podcast is for the people that are listening. So I take into consideration what you say and do my best to apply that to the show. So something I've been thinking about recently, and this has been sparked by a number of different factors, which I'll get into in a minute, but I've been thinking about the evolution of perspective, both in regards to myself and my perspective and who I am, and also just societally as a whole and how that evolution process happens. And I think that what really sparked me to think about this further is as I'm doing these interviews, as I'm talking to people, it's pretty natural for people to wonder whether it's the person that I'm interviewing or you listening, well, Sadie, what do you, what do you think? What do you believe? Sadie, what's your perspective? And that's been an interesting question for me to answer. Initially, when I started doing the interviews, I refrained from expressing my perspective because I wanted to enter into the environment neutrally. I wanted people to feel like they were in a comfortable place where they could express their thoughts and ideas and opinions without fear of judgment or without taking into consideration my opinion at all. But eventually, as the interviews continued to happen and new information was flooding my mind constantly, it became more about allowing myself the flexibility for my mind to broaden without limits. I was trying to be open to receiving things that I had never received before, mostly due to my own curiosities. I've been actively seeking expansion, which has been a very interesting journey because with that expansion, I pretty routinely have to deconstruct everything that I once thought to be true. Well, maybe not everything, but certain things that I once thought to be true. And that's not a bad thing. I actually, I love that process of being able to take new information and digest it and think to myself, is this something that I've ever formulated an opinion on? Do I have any experiences in my past that would have allowed me to formulate this opinion. And in taking in this new information, I am still guided by my own moral compass and my own code of ethics and what I believe is right and wrong. And then from there, I get to choose what I want to adopt into my own belief system. But the reason that it's an interesting question to answer is because there are certain constructs that exist in society right now where we want people to expand their perspectives. We want you to become more aware and more understanding and more inclusive. And we say those things in name, but how accepting are we as a collective society of that evolution? We hold people so tightly to who they are and what they thought a year ago, five years ago, 
And in fact, if they do evolve from five years ago, we don't embrace it. We chastise them for it. And I think that the worst example of this is during any election season where people are running for office and their archives of the past get dug up from stuff that they did in college that they did 40 years ago. And that's not to say that the past should be forgotten. It absolutely shouldn't be. But at what point do we accept that evolution as valid? And are we okay accepting that this iteration of the evolution is temporary? That when new information comes along that allows one to expand their mind and grow from it, that that evolution process will happen again. Now, we allow ourselves the room to do this. I'm sure many of you are thinking of things that you did when you were a teenager or in your early adult years and and where you are now and how much you've evolved and you're so grateful. Not only do we allow ourselves the room to let this evolution take place, but we embrace it. We're proud of it. We have a much harder time to accept that process for others, to accept their evolution. We shackle people to things that they once said as if that's who they will always be, rather than creating an accepting environment to allow this dynamic process to take place. They're going through the same dynamic process that I am. I just don't see it. So where I'm going with all of this is... At what point do we as a society change the narrative of the questions we ask? For example, if there was someone who made a statement or took a picture five to ten years ago, do we pigeonhole them in that moment and hold them accountable forever to that moment? Or do we even consider that there is the possibility that there's been a growth mindset, that they've evolved? And while it is appropriate to ask, do you still believe this? Do you still stand by it? If the answer to that is no, the follow-up question should be, what was it that made you change your mind from that? We should normalize the evolution process for others as much as we normalize it for ourselves. So I was reading some articles the other day and I came across this blog post or I don't know if it's a blog. I came across this article written on themedium.com, and it was by Evan Andrew Silva, and he published it last March. And I will put the link to this article in the show notes if you want to read the whole article, because I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I wanted to share a snippet of it with you. So the title of the article is called The Evolution of Perspective, and I just wanted to read a couple, like two paragraphs from this article. Again, these are not my words. This is me reading from an article by Evan Silva. When Sam was 12 years old, he believed in one almighty God. On Sunday, his family would take him to church and his brother and him would partake in Bible study every week since he could remember. In the town he grew up in, the religion that his family believed in was the dominant religion. Just like him, all of his friends and their families went to the same church. A family that had a different religious view would be seen as complete outcasts. Sam believed every word that was spoken by the leader of his church with complete certainty. The words coming from the mouth of the speaker were not to be questioned, for the preacher studied the Bible and had a unique connection to God himself. Sam understood God as being all-knowing and all-powerful, which was an obvious path to condemnation if he were to dispute words being translated directly from the all-knowing. Over time, the Bible that Sam read every night before sleep began to feel different. He became friends with an outcast from school whose family had different religious views, and he began to question what he was programmed to believe. The questioning led to new conclusions being met about everything he knew, causing a reinvention of himself. Six years of life pass, and to Sam, 
He's transformed into an expert on what is right or wrong. Silva then challenges his readers to think for a moment about a transition that's taken place with yourself and compare it to Sam's experience, whether that's political, whether it's religious, whether, I mean, it could be, it could be a belief on anything. Silva then continues to talk about this transformation in perspective and then brings it to a more societal and macro view, just talking about new information and our reliance on old information and just being comfortable. But it was really in how he ended or concluded this article that stuck out to me. He writes, Sam was convinced by a new take on religion to the point where he made the mistake in thinking he went from a state of being wrong to being right. This is the flaw in our currently existing human thought process that needs to be put to rest. What's true to us is and always will be ever-evolving, and it's a crime to attempt to justify that absolute certainty exists in a world where change happens and has never showed any signs of stopping. So I feel like this article is extremely well-written and It challenged me to think about the frame of mind that I've been in and the evolutions that my mind has been undergoing and that it's undergone even before I started Perspectus. And it really sent me down this whole rabbit hole of thinking that regardless of who you are, there has been a time in your life where you've evolved and you've gone from point A to point B in terms of what you believe. But how often can we really identify all of the contributing factors that made that change happen? Now I'm going to be posing some questions and I don't necessarily have the answers. I'm more just thinking out loud with you. But I was really trying to map this out and thinking about my own life and my own experiences because for me personally, although I would say that, you know, I carry with me a lot of the values that were instilled in me growing up and where I'm from and the environment that I was in. But there was a pretty significant part of my upbringing, my inherited reality, that I deviated from as I got older. And I was sitting there with a pen and a paper trying to think, okay, what was the experience that made me go from point A to point B? And it can be hard to jog your memory because I feel like this deviation happened several, several years ago. And... You know, I've, I've lived my life in these new constructs that I've decided suit my lifestyle, whatever. And I'm sitting there trying to think, how did I get here? Like, was there this notable, like, one thing that happened that got me there? Or was there just one thing? I could think of several influences and people that I had been around and environments. So it had to be a culmination of things. But there had to be a moment that something shifted in my being that allowed the door to open for me to receive the new information and that set me on a new path. Then there had to be several experiences that reaffirmed that path. And it's interesting for me to do this exercise too because um, as I'm doing these interviews and trying to help people like piece together, okay, you believe that, but what was the experience that sent you there? And, And honestly, it can be really hard to do. Granted, not for everything. Like there are certain things that I believe that I'm like, okay, I can draw a direct line. This is what caused that. This is why I now believe it. But for other things, it can be really difficult. 
especially as the gap in time of whenever you deviated becomes longer and longer. If this is something that recently happened, then obviously it's a lot easier to recall. But if this is something that happened three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and then you're trying to remember, wait, why do I believe this again? (laughs) It can be really difficult. So anyway, this whole thought process like sent me down this track of thinking about experience tracking. What do I mean by that? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out with you. But because I, it's so hard to understand, okay, how I got from here to there, it's like, it's like getting lost in a web of internet searches. You all know what I'm talking about. You click on one page, it takes you to a link. You click on another one, and before you know it, you're like 10 searches down in some random page that you didn't even mean to get to. But we have a back button. We can backtrack our steps to see, okay, How did I get from images of the greatest predators in marine life to nutmeg being a hallucinogen? By the way, yes, this really did happen. And yes, I did learn that nutmeg is a hallucinogen only if you consume it in absurdly large doses, which I don't know why anybody ever would, but it contains myristicin, which is a natural compound that has mind-altering effects. Gotta love the random facts that you find on the internet. Anyway, it got me thinking, what if I could have this in my life? What if all of the things that I believed could be mapped by my experience history? What if I could actually track the evolution of my perspective? What if there was some kind of cool gadget like a Fitbit, but instead of tracking your steps or tracking your heart rate, it tracked your frame of mind? How cool would that be? Or would it be cool? Is it something that you're interested in? Because I am. So I've decided to start doing it. As I'm taking in all of this new information, I've been writing down, okay, what is the information that I'm gaining for them? Is this going to be useful in the evolution of my perspective? Am I going to look back years from now and be able to recognize where in these conversations a shift began to occur? I don't know. But it also made me think, what types of experience determine a short-term change versus a long-term change in perspective? Or Are there really experiences that are that powerful that cause a long-term change? Because I can identify plenty of things that in the moment shift my perspective. I think about things in a different way. But how does my mind determine which ones last? How long they stay? Whether or not my brain is going to take this experience and incorporate it into this construct of my truth at the moment. Or if my perspective is going to revert. And it's interesting because I feel like so much of this process is done subconsciously. In fact, there are several studies that show that over 90% of our daily decisions, in addition to our thoughts and feelings, come from our subconscious mind. And we don't even see the effects of the subconscious mind at work transforming our perspective, transforming our reality, until the transformation's already done. And then we're reflecting back at it. And it kind of reminds me of the analogy, not exactly, but similar, of the urban myth with the frog. And I think it goes like, if you put a pot, (laughs) sorry, if you put a frog in a pot of water and then just gradually heat it, the change is so gradual that the frog will remain in the water until it just boils to death. Now, I'm not saying the change in the perspective is, you know, we're boiling to death, but The process is so gradual that so much of the time, we don't even notice. 
We just arrive at this new reality, this new construct, this new frame of mind, and it becomes our truth. But what would that truth look like? Or how much more aware of our truth would we be if you could draw clear connections and see clear correlations of the input, which is your experience, to the output, which is your perspective? Do we even want that level of transparency? What would the benefit be of that? Would there be any repercussions? Or does it come with too much responsibility? And what I mean by that is that it's a whole new level of responsibility when you can identify how you got from point A to point B and realize how much you get to be the creator of your perspective. I'm really curious to know if anyone else out there is thinking along these same lines as well. I want to know your thoughts on the questions I just posed. But it certainly brings up an interesting idea of passive versus reactive perspectives. How much of my perspective am I actually going out and building versus what is just being absorbed? How often has my perspective changed? How often, when was the last time I sought that change? But circling all the way back uh, to where this conversation even began, which was that article, I really just wanted to talk a little bit more about the last sentence he said, which was the mistake in thinking that Sam went from a state of being wrong to being right. And I think that this is critical because when I was younger, I remember believing that there was one right and one wrong, that something was true or something was false. And as I got a little bit older, I was in high school, I was doing speech and debate and arguing both sides of the story. So I thought, okay, there are two sides to every story that I know for sure. (laughs) But as I am progressing on this journey, I'm realizing that there is not a tapped number of sides that there could be. There are multifaceted sides of every story. And a hundred truths can coexist all at the same time. That's my food for thought for today. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to hearing from you. I will see you all next Friday.